Well, this morning we're continuing our series and what we're learning at Monsters University. We're learning that a lot of our monster stories tell us about the truth of who we are on the inside. And uh, that really, uh, we're learning that there is a monster within that we battle. We've uh, been based in Romans uh, for the past few, uh, couple of weeks. And uh, Romans 7 and 8 kind of give us a picture about the story of the sin nature that we're wrestling with, this monster and uh, today we're going to be in Romans 12, and so if you want to open up your Bibles, put your finger there, put a little mark there, we'll go to that in just a little bit. But uh, just for some of you who haven't been here with us, I want to catch you up. At Monsters University, uh, we're learning that about the monster within, and that we can live with a Jekyll and Hyde existence, trying to control our own sinful nature, or we can allow Jesus Christ to be the controlling power of our life, Romans 8 9. And when we allow Jesus into that place, we uh, still have a fight. We still have a fight when Jesus is the controlling power of our life because we're still sometimes removing the mummy's grave clothes, some of the leftovers of the sinful nature, some of those things that we've trained our, when we were under the power of our sinful nature. We trained our flesh uh, and, and our, our will, our souls, our minds trained them in certain ways. So, but the truth is, is that we're no longer, no longer under the mummy's curse. Jesus has broken that curse, become the curse for us. And if Jesus is the controlling power of our life, with his help, we can change. There's no more excuses of, well, that's just the way I am. I'm under the mummy's curse. And, and so that's not the truth. But as I, as I hinted last week, there is uh, some struggle that there are those of us have in, in removing the mummy's clothes. Sometimes the grave clothes that have to be removed, we need some help. And uh, you're getting a little hint of it with uh, you know, Harry Howe, our, our werewolf character. Uh, and, uh, but sometimes with Jesus at the center of your life, you could be practicing every spiritual discipline. You know what I mean by that is, you know, uh, man, I'm, I'm practicing reading God's word on a regular basis. I'm practicing prayer. I'm practicing some, you know, meditating on Jesus. I'm, uh, you know, uh, this or that. And you can, you can go down the list, but you can still be focused on him, but still lose the battle with your sin nature. And, and why is that? Why is it that you can be doing all these things that bring strength and really fortify your faith, but then still lose against that one part of your life, that leftovers from the sinful nature? Why is that? Well, I think it's a lot like our friend, the werewolf. You see, uh, with the werewolf, you know, uh, he, he tries to stop from becoming a werewolf. In all our stories of werewolves, uh, you know, he'll try to lock himself up in a cage. He'll try to avoid the moonlight. Uh, he'll warn people to stay away when he feels like his weakness is coming on. And, and yet, the werewolf still comes out despite all those uh, precautions that the werewolf takes in the stories. And in every werewolf story, you see a man who struggles who doesn't want to turn into the half-man, half-wolf. And because he knows that when he turns into the wolf-man, he's going to do terrible things. And then when he, and, and somehow, <coughs> of course, in all our movies that Hollywood produced, he, he does, you know, even despite all his precautions, all, his, all the warnings, he does turn into the werewolf. <coughs> and then the following day, when he comes to himself, he's filled with remorse. Remorse over the things that he's done as the werewolf, and he's in a terrible state. 
Now, in every werewolf story, there's one simple solution. The only way to stop a werewolf is to kill him with a silver bullet. That's right. And so there's a lot of times when uh, in some of our modernized movies that we see even the, the werewolf himself, the wolfman, when he's in his normal state and he's in remorse, he even himself, he's thinking about taking the silver bullet and putting himself out of misery. And, and I just wonder, thank you, Jasmine, I've just, uh, I've been trying to get up in the morning and, and go running on Sundays just to get the goo out of my lungs. I, I've developed this allergy condition that, that uh, I'm trying to overcome, and, and I guess I just need to run further, so, mm. Thank you. So, but I just want to ask the question, you know, for those of us who maybe can relate a little to the werewolf, is uh, for those of you who have struggled in trying to put down the leftovers of the sinful nature, what did you think the silver bullet was going to be? What did you think the silver bullet was that was going to knock, knock that part of that sinful nature out of your life for good, never see it again? I mean, maybe you thought it was going to be, man, if I read my Bible every day, then that's the silver bullet. It's going it's to end it, going to overcome. And, and, and reading the Bible does add strength, but, but it just didn't do it. And then you say, well, maybe I'll, I'll pray harder, I'll pray longer, and that will be the silver bullet. That will just knock it out. And, and you do it, and yet there's some strength, but yet still that werewolf comes out. And then, then you think, well, okay, I'm going to get that self-help book. Hey, it's a Christian self-help book. And it's speaking directly to this issue that I'm struggling with. And you read it thinking that, man, I'm going to get some knowledge here that's going to help me overcome this, this leftover from my sinful nature. And, and it doesn't work. Man, it, 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 the werewolf still comes out. Well, I think there's one common thread with all those things. One common thread that is the common weakness to all those plans even though those things do fortify and strengthen the faith of all believers, there's something missing from all of them. Here's what it is. All by myself. All by myself. You know, if this silver bullet will work, nobody but me and God will need to know about this. And here's the truth of the message today to all of our werewolves. Sometimes it takes more than a silver bullet to beat the werewolf. It takes your brothers and sisters in Christ it takes a community, the community centered around Christ. Now, what I want us to do right now is I want us to open up Romans 12. I want us to look at scriptures that talk about the description of this community. And I want you to scratch your head. And I want you to go, now, how is this supposed to help me beat my sinful nature? And I want you to see if you can put two and two together as we read some of this passage. All right. So Romans 12, we'll start with verses three, uh, three to five right there. Here it is. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. You know, I, I sometimes wonder right there, you know, if we're just thinking a little highly, too highly of ourselves. You know, just me and God, we can figure this out. Really? I mean, is this, is this where the problem starts right here? Is, is it really just that maybe... We, we need to admit some dependence, not just on God, but on people, specifically brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, just as, verse 4, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, 
so in Christ we who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. What's that song? I belong to you. You belong to me. You just need to sing that song and remind yourself of that. And think of this scripture right here. We belong to one another in Christ. All right? Got to get this in your head somehow. All right? Uh, All right, going down to verse 9 through 16. Love must be sincere. Again, describing the community here of what this uh, Christ-centered community looks like and how it behaves and how how it practices. Uh, Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Man, there's a whole sermon there on devotion. Honor one another above yourselves. Mm, Wow, each sentence. Powerhouse. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And check this out, verse 15 and 16. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So, we belong to each other. We are to rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. You know, when you have something really great happen in your life, who is there to celebrate with you? Is there a list of people who are there to celebrate? And, and, you know, it's not just a birthday, but maybe it's some small victory in your workplace, some small victory with your family. Who's there to celebrate with you? You know, what we often find is that those that we let in and share where we're mourning, share the tough times and say, hey, this is what's going on in my life, when we, it's those same people who will come back around and who will celebrate with you when you're rejoicing over something. And, and I think it's if, if we don't allow ourselves that moment to say, man, this is what's going on in my life. This is where I'm hurting. This is what's happening. This is where I struggle. This is where I'm lonely. This is where, man, sin keeps beating me. We don't share those parts. Then we're not going to have the chance to share the parts that are great. And we've got to be able to willing to open up. And I know there's a risk in that. I know there's a risk. Talk about more, more of that in just a second. But... I just want to say that the description here in Romans 12, it's not about going solo. It's not about all by myself. Everything in here is one another, each other. Uh, It's all this one another commands and practicing one another things. You know, it says we're to live in harmony with one another. You know, harmony always sticks with melody. Uh, you know, some of you might not be familiar with music, but melody is that part, you know, when we're singing along with Nate, that it's, it's, it's the main thing that you're singing. Now, you might, you know, hear with your ears, you might hear people and they're singing something different. It's not what you're singing and what Nate's singing. And you're going, what are they doing? And, but it, it, it sounds good and it, it goes along with it and it keeps in step and like they're singing the same words you are, but that's harmony. And there can be uh, several different harmonies in one song with one melody. But, but the idea is that the harmonies follow the melody up and down. And they might be at different spaces or different intervals from that melody, but they're all in step with one another. That is harmony. 
So it's keeping closeness. It's the same for us in following Jesus and his spirit. If his spirit is the controlling power in our lives, he is the melody. We're we're following him. And so we're all in harmony with him, not always at the same interval, but in step. Now, can you imagine if the spirit of God that you've said, spirit of Jesus Christ, I want you in my life, I want you to be the controlling power, and he's wanting to do what God wants to do and is, is following what the body is doing, but you're resisting that. Can you see how that you're not in step? You're not in harmony when you resist that? You're resisting what God wants to do. So we're in harmony with him, not always at the same interval, but in the same steps. This is the way we're made to live. This is the way we are hardwired as Christ followers. To attempt to live alone, apart from the body, doing all by myself, that puts us into compromising positions, difficult situations that God never intended us to face alone. There's so much of life that God wants us to face together. There's a movie, it's called uh, Chasing Mavericks. It's a a movie that's actually about mentoring, which, by the way, I'm doing mentor training uh, this Monday and next Monday, Monday, uh, part one, part two. Uh, So if you want to beef up on mentoring and want to get in on the know of how do I mentor somebody, this is it, 6.30 to 8 o'clock in the kitchen in the pillar here. But uh, anyway, this movie, Chasing Mavericks, mentoring movie, great, great movie with Gerard Butler. Gerard plays an older surfer who, is, um, uh, who begins mentoring a teenage boy in how to ride the largest waves that are out there that are called Mavericks. And uh, there are certain conditions that these waves appear. And uh, really, people who try to, to ride them, uh, a lot of people who don't train themselves end up killing themselves in trying to ride these waves because they're very dangerous. But uh, there's this young kid who's determined he wants to ride it. He knows Butler. The Butler character has uh, ridden him. And so he asks him to mentor him. And so Gerard starts mentoring him. And he says, hey, there's four pillars in your life. And these four pillars have got to be strong to hold you up and to withstand these waves. And so there's the the, uh, physical pillar. There's the mental. There's emotional and spiritual. All these pillars have to be strong to chase a maverick. And so at the conflict point in the story, Gerard's character uh, loses his wife. She dies to some sort of disease, and, and he is despondent. And he's left alone with a child to raise. And, and, and in this despondent state, he goes out on his surfboard to this place where he trains, and he paddles out, and he just lays there, and he hopes that the current just takes him out to sea and that he dies. Well, the young teenage boy who's been mentored by him knows that he's missing. He no, has an idea where he's at. He goes and he finds him. And he comes out to him, and the roles reverse. And the young kid starts challenging his mentor, and he's saying, what about the four pillars? You know, what's going on with you? You can't give up. You can't quit. And, and Butler got characters, yeah, yeah, whatever. And, and, and then the kid looks at him, and he gets his attention. He says, you've forgotten the fifth pillar. And this is something that's never been talked about. And the Butler character goes, what do you mean, fifth pillar? What's the fifth pillar, kid? He said, I'm your fifth pillar. Now, come on, we're going home. And at that point, Butler turns around and follows him, and, he, and it's his, the path back up. And, uh, and I'm telling you that there's many of us, we're forgetting the fifth pillar. We, we need each other. We are not going to make it without each other. And if Jesus made us to be one body, we can't do without one another, especially in our struggle with the leftovers of the sin nature. And yet, this is the one area that we refuse to bring before our brothers and sisters and yet it's the final breakthrough into true community. And not only that, but the final breakthrough in overcoming that sin that keeps coming out like the werewolf. And, and instead, what do we do when we get into our groups? 
we confess our uh, sin of, of time management. Yeah, I need you guys to pray for me because I just can't handle my schedule and I'm ignoring my family. And, you know, it's like, how many times are we going to go to that? I mean, we, we do it because everybody does it and it's the acceptable sin thing or struggle thing in the church. And it's like, come on, when are we going to take the mask off and say, man, I was angry this week, and my mouth came out, and I said words I've never said since I was a teenager. And I, I need, there's something going on, help. Or, or I am so stinking lonely. I feel so alone. And I know that shouldn't be, and I need help. When are we going to start saying those things? We need to. It is the breakthrough to community. Now, I know some of you are like, oh, great, he's going to talk about community. That's the hipster word in the church. I've already heard this a million times. All right, you know what? This has been talked about way before it's ever become a hipster word, ever before there was a show called Community on TV. This is an important, significant ideal, a Christian ideal that is a part of the church, and we've got to talk about it. And so, and today, we've, and we've got to say that I am a part of it. So I, what I want to do is I want to read some words to you from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a, a pastor in Germany who lived during the 1930s, World War II, way before this was ever hipster, okay? All right? So again, I want to show you this is important stuff, and it was important back then, it's important now. And I want, I want you to listen to his words, because it's talking about specifically the part of community that brings breakthrough in the sin nature. All right, here it is. Sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him or her from community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it, the more disastrous is his isolation. Sin wants to remain unknown. It shuns the light. In the darkness of the unexpressed, it poisons the whole being of a person. He's describing the werewolf. In confession, though, the light of the gospel breaks into the darkness and seclusion of the heart. When sin is confessed in the presence of a Christian brother or sister, the last stronghold of self-justification is abandoned. The sinner surrenders. He gives up all his evil. He gives his heart to God, and he finds the forgiveness of all his sin in the fellowship of Jesus Christ and his brother and sister. Listen to this. The acknowledged sin has now lost all its power. In the very act of confessing sins, he finds fellowship for the very first time. The sin concealed separated him from the fellowship, made his apparent fellowship a sham, a fake. But the sin confessed has him, helped him to find true fellowship Sinners who live by the grace of God. So do you see from Bonhoeffer's words here and from the scriptures in Romans 12, do you see that if you maintain your werewolf position of handling it all by yourself, you'll put yourself into this place of being separated from the fellowship of this community? I was 20 years old. I was traveling with a team of my peers uh, in a ministry uh, that went off and on for about six years. And when we traveled, we'd go out for a stint of maybe two weeks up to six weeks. 
And as we traveled, there's usually a, a minimum of four of us on a team, sometimes six or eight. And at times, uh, it, while we were traveling, there was just absolutely no privacy. I mean, we were just constantly in front of people, uh, you know, in front of a church, a conference, youth group, retreat. Then you go and stay in a host home, and they want to hear stories, and you stay up telling stories, and you go home, go to bed exhausted, get up next morning, do a school assembly, do the same thing all over again in front of people. You get in a van, you're with your team members, you're not alone. And after two weeks of this going on, your third week or fourth week, fourth week personalities start rubbing each other the wrong way. And as that happens, and as it, uh, there was frustrations that would come out, miscommunication would happen. And then what would happen more than eventually is that some way, one of these rough spots in, in my life, and as a young man, I had lots of rough spots, lots of my sinful nature that was still there, grave clothes that were, had not been removed, and, and uh, it would come out and it would hurt somebody or somebody else would hurt me. And, and, and it used to, I used to think about these rough spots in my life where there were still grave clothes. I used to think, you know what, this is just a me and God kind of thing. We're going to handle this, and eventually this is going to be taken care of. And, and it was one of those things where I thought, you know, God will just zap me. God's going to zap me, supernaturally zap me, and I'm going to be all better. But that wasn't the truth. What was happening was in these moments with this, this small community uh, of this team was that these rough parts of my life were all of a sudden becoming visible to everybody, and their rough spots were becoming visible to me. And, and when we lived in such close, close proximity to each other, those leftovers of the sin nature end up hurting each other. And, and we knew that something had to be done because we, we hated. We hated if we had hurt one another, and then we had to get up in front of people and do a skit or share a testimony and smile and, and all this kind of stuff. And yet there was this hurt between us. It's like, oh, we hated that. We didn't want to be fake. We didn't want to pretend. So we resolved we were not going to ever do that again. We, we were going to resolve issues before we got up in front of people. So what that meant was some uncomfortable conversations. Uncomfortable conversations where we said things like, man, I did this. I was wrong. And I, I wronged you. I'm sorry. I, I hurt. Would you forgive me? And, and there would be things of like, well, why did you do that? I don't know, and it started getting down to the root of things, of, of that sin nature leftover that was there. And, and, and it was digging down into places where God still needed to minister to me in my life and minister to others on my team. And so, you know, there were times that some of those uncomfortable talks happened in times when it was not convenient. But it needed to be done. If we were going to carry out the mission and, and continue to share the gospel with authenticity... These talks had to happen, even when it was inconvenient. And I, I know that when, when, when it involved confessing sins, and when it involved saying, would you please forgive me, and when forgiveness was given, I, I want you to know that there was not just relief, relief that I was forgiven and, and, and relief between me and another person, but there was all of a sudden an understanding of one another's weaknesses. And in that understanding, there was a love for one another, wanting to protect each other's weaknesses. And when that happened, there, there was some sort of strength that happened. And, and a strength together with that little community and a strength that also came to remove and cut away the grave clothes, to smooth out those rough places where the sin nature had left scars and wounds. And our lives began to be strengthened. And, and, and it's just like you know putting rocks in a little rock kit uh, tumbler. 
you know, they're all rough and ugly looking and you throw them in there and they bounce around on each other and then they come out polished and smooth. We were reflecting Christ to one another when we forgave each other and there was strength gained of our old nature. I want to tell you the truth. God used community, not supernaturally zapping me. He used the community of believers to transform me. And I want you to know that he's still doing it today. I got a men's group that I meet with on Thursday mornings. We got a bunch of other men's group. If you want to be a part of them, we got women's groups that meet. We got gel groups. I'm part of a gel group. I tell you, I'm honest with the men that I meet with on Thursday mornings. I'm honest with my gel group. I'm honest with my team, my staff. We share. We pray for each other. I'm, I'm honest with our elders. They point out things to me. Shannon, you said that thing, and that, that comes from someplace in you that needs some work on from God. You know, And so those things happen in my life. And there's, there's a mutual back and forth, and there's a strength in it. There's a strength where sin loses its power when it comes out in community, when it's confessed. And so I want you to know he's still doing it in my life today, and I want you to know that he can do it in your life today. Now, I suppose because we can't see God right now, that he is the invisible, immortal king over all the universe, that there are times when we are trying to overcome our sin and, and we're mentally asking God, please forgive me. There's a part of us that just wants to hear, you're forgiven. There's a part of us that wants his touch, his physical touch to say, it's all right. I, you are forgiven. I love you. And, and, and so there's times when we mentally go through the motions and we say, God, I need your forgiveness, but we don't feel forgiven. We don't believe it. But you know what? There's something about it. When I confess my sin to a brother in Christ, and he looks me in the eye and he says, God forgives you, and so do I. There's something about it, and I believe it, and I hear God's voice in it, and I know it's true. I know it, and I feel it. I want you to know it's real. It's real for all of us. Uh, the band can come up now. Look, guys, what, what I'm telling all of you, men and women today, young men and young women, older men and older women, I'm telling you that for some Christ followers who struggle with chronic sin in your life, that, that they're, you're, you're trying to beat the werewolf. And it's, and, and it's not a question about, am I really saved? That's not the question. It's about your isolation. You can't beat the werewolf all by yourself. It will take more than a silver bullet. It will take the fellowship of believers. It will take community centered in Christ, not your community that's centered around the workplace, not your community that's centered around guitar playing down on the front porch picking, not the community that's centered around your soccer playing. It comes around community centered around Jesus Christ. If you feel separated from the fellowship here, if you feel separated from God, I want to suggest that possibly confession might be the next step for your breakthrough into community. I want to tell you, and it may not be confession about some sin, although that would be a very great start. It could be sin of just, it could be just confession of, I am just so stinking lonely. And I know it shouldn't be this way. If that's where you can start, start there. Maybe it's simply a confession of, I, I am so tired of praying these prayers over and over for myself, 
and I need to hear someone else's voice. I need to hear a brother or sister's voice praying for me in this matter to know that someone else is in the fight with me. Maybe it's there, but I just want you to know that true breakthrough, breakthrough, it it comes with confession. And not only breakthrough the true fellowship, but breakthrough in overcoming the sin nature leftovers, bringing it out into the dark and into the light. Sin loses its power. And I want you to know that some of those places that that can happen, it can happen in our jail groups, it can happen in groups with men, it can happen here today. Look, I, I know that maybe some of you have attempted this in the past, and there was some sort of failure. Either failure that, that maybe someone didn't respond right. It wasn't a safe place to share or to confess because that person wasn't under the cross like you were coming under the cross. They weren't seeing themselves also as a sinner saved by grace. And so it wasn't safe to confess. And I'm sorry that that happened to you, but I want to tell you, you can't do it by yourself. You're going to have to try again. Look, I know that no group of Christ followers is perfect. Somewhere along the line, you're going to have disillusionment about community. But I want you to know that's a good thing because we have our ideal of what community is and, oh, it's going to be beautiful, it's going to be this, and I'm going to be that in the community. And the disillusionment hits. Someone's hurt. Forgiveness has to be given. And all of a sudden, your ideal that you begin to worship is off its idolized place. And you're no longer worshiping community, you're worshiping Jesus together with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's all right when that happens. There is no perfect community, but we do have a perfect Christ. And I want to remind you that there is one perfect fellowship at the heart of the universe that we have been invited to. And at the heart of the universe is the fellowship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I don't know why. They, they didn't need us. They lived in perfect unity and fellowship from, from eternity But for some reason, they invited us into it through the cross, through Jesus Christ. And it's a community that will transform us. But I want you to know it's a community that involves people, brothers and sisters in Christ, not just the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you're going to have to have face-to-face with a brother and sister in Christ at some point in your Christian walk. And so today, I'd like us right now just to stand we're gonna, there's going to be a song that's played. And I, I'd like some of our gel leaders to come down. Jazz is right here in the front. Uh, Sherry's right here. Um, uh, Joel and Katie, if you can come on down. Um, any other of our gel leaders that I can't see, if you come to the front. And I'd just like anyone here, if you're, you're just at that place of like, I, I've just got to hear someone else pray for me. I need to know someone else is in this fight with me. You just want prayer. I'd like you to come forward today during this song. And, and, and if it's also just the confession of, I am so alone, I need community, let, let it be the first confession. Let it be your first step. So as, you, as we sing this song, there's some questions here I just want you to think about. This is uh, some cards that we develop here at Highland that the characteristics of a Christ follower, one of the characteristics is one anothered. And here are some of the questions that we, we ask each other. Within the church you attend now, do you know anyone who has shared their struggle or joy with you? Tell me what devoted means in terms of your job, sports, exercise, or your mate. 
What does that devotion look like and compared when it says, be devoted to your brothers and sisters in Christ? Does it pale in comparison? Have you ever had the chance to practice forgive one another with someone in your church? Why or why not? What does it take to put someone else's needs and interests before your own? Which takes up more of your thoughts, thoughts about yourself or thoughts about others? And how can that change? Lord Jesus, in the next few moments, we pray that you minister, minister to us through your body, through your people. In Jesus' name, amen. During this song, come on down if you'd like someone to pray with you.